This is Healthcare's Missing Logic podcast, episode number 215. Today, our special guest is Dr. Candy Campbell. She's an actress, an author, and a nurse. And today, we chat with her about her new book, Improv to Improve Your Leadership Team. So stay tuned to learn some new tips, leaders. to Healthcare's Missing Logic podcast. This is the only podcast that shows you how to leverage polarity intelligence, an essential competency for healthcare leaders and the missing logic in healthcare so you can create healthy healing organizations and become a thriving, resilient, and unstoppable healthcare leader. We are your hosts, Tracy Christofferson and Michelle Troset. We've been best friends and colleagues for over 30 years. And during that time, we coached healthcare leaders across North America around how to create healthy healing organizations. Today, we coach healthcare leaders and leadership teams to live thriving, resilient, and balanced lives, combat burnout, and create the best places to give and receive care. This podcast is for the unsung hero of healthcare, the healthcare leader. We want you to know we see you and we'll be here for you each week. In this podcast, we're going to challenge healthcare's industry norms, flip limiting beliefs, and share proven strategies so you can be your best self at working at home, live and lead intentionally, and experience well-being and joy. We are glad you are here and look forward to sharing the journey with you. If you aren't totally convinced this podcast is for you, just listen to a few episodes and convince yourself. Welcome back to another episode of Healthcare's Missing Logic Podcast. I'm not Michelle. And I'm not Tracy. That's <laughs> <laughs> so I do something a little different this time. <laughs> Back in the studio, having wonderful conversations with wonderful, energetic people today. Yes, yes. This one was a doozy. Yeah, it was. They all are. I know. <laughs> <laughs> We're very well, lucky that way. We are. We yeah. are. So we've been following the work of Dr. Candace Campbell, and Candy is the name that she goes by, her friends and her improv and her healthcare community. And it was fun. She is a, she's an actress and does improv. So it was a very fun conversation to talk to her about what she's learned, her lessons in improv mm-hmm. in life and in healthcare and and how to apply it and how to apply right. it, how to apply it to healthcare. She's a Background as a nurse. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think she uh, she really has a passion for transforming healthcare and helping people to create, you know, work, healthy work environments yeah. and improve the relationships and all mm. with improv, which is really kind of fun and joyful. And, uh, yeah, it's a whole new way to do that, right? Yeah. And she's really committed because she knows it works. And she actually, as you'll hear in the interview, did her dissertation. Mm-hmm. on it. Mm-hmm. She was so committed that improv is needed in healthcare. Yeah. So it was a fun conversation. Lots yeah. of laughs, lots of great stories. We can't wait for you to listen to it. Yes. Yeah. So let me introduce you to Dr. Candy Campbell. She is truly a Renaissance woman. She describes herself as a shy little kid whose daddy told her she could do anything if she tried it and then worked hard. And there isn't much she hasn't tried since. Good advice, Daddy. (laughs) She's an award-winning actor, author, filmmaker, and a nurse. Candy's initial degree is in acting. And before she got the call to be a nurse, 
30,000 feet up, which you can read about in her book. She co-founded an improv and stand-up comedy company in San Francisco area in the early 1990s, which were which were the impetus to launch three solo shows, a doctorate, a documentary film, and six books. The ability of being able to imagine yourself in someone else's skin and not make taking yourself too seriously has supported her practice within and outside of nursing. She's an improv actor, so we have no idea what she's going to say. Well, we do now because we just did the interview, but you have no idea what she's going to say, so stay tuned. <laughs> Here's Candy. Well, 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 welcome, Candy, to Healthcare's Missing Logic Podcast. We're so excited to have you as a guest on our show. Thank you. So great to be here. Yes, it has just been a long time coming, and here you are. <laughs> well, we just want to acknowledge that you have had the most fascinating career, and we loved your book, Improv to Improve Leadership, Your Leadership Team, Tear Down Walls and Build Bridges. And I just have to tell you, you know, I took an improv class many years ago now, but it was so much fun reading your book because it kind of brought back all those principles, and um, I love how you put it in the context of leadership in creating positive work cultures, because that's sort of Tracy and my jam as well. So it was a lot of synergies there. So tell our leaders why you wrote this book specifically for leaders. I will begin at the beginning of this story that started the books, because there's more than one. So I co-founded an improv company and stand-up comedy. I used to do stand-up and improv. And uh, three friends and myself, we did this in the early 90s in San Francisco, playing at all sorts of venues. And one Friday night, after we had had a, another successful improv slash stand-up night, People came down afterwards to chat with us. They always did that anyway. And and they're always asking sort of the same questions like, did you really? You must have planned it. You know, did you really? And we said, no, really, this is improv. And they always said the same thing. Oh, you could have had, you know, a plant, you know, some sort of shill or something. And no, no. So we took some time, you know, convincing people of different things that we didn't. And there was one gentleman who was sort of hanging back. And when everybody else sort of drifted away, he introduced himself and he said, I saw what you did, but and I, and I believe you, but what I saw was that you took a problem and you transformed it right before our eyes. You created a solution to a problem. And can you come and teach my engineers how to park their egos and play nice? Because they're really smart people, but they're just, you know, we have a, we're a startup. It was software engineers. And uh, they're they're really terrific individually, but the egos are just rubbing against each other. So that was the beginning. That was 1995. And I will say, since um, Michelle, you're also a nurse, that nursing was my main 
way of making a living. I'm a commercial actor on the side, have been before I was a nurse. And this was my way of laughing again after a divorce. I started stand up and did this improv and got the kids involved and did all sorts of things. And I I was the person who responded to his plea. And that was the first time that I crafted because I had had an ed minor in, in my first degree. And I, I crafted this applied improvisation um, course. I guess you could just call it a course. Mm-hmm. It was a, a workshop day in a different way than when I was learning it as a performer. When we were learning improv as performers, knowing we were going to have to please an audience, we were really focused on the funny. Uh, sometimes, you know, some sort of semi-serious thing would float in, but but most of the time we found the funny, we're pretty good at that. But <laughs> when when I entered the room of this then startup company, which has now been subsumed by another very large company, which you would know. The um, the CEO who had hired me uh, introduced me, and he's getting ready to leave. And he goes, tough room, but you'll be great. <laughs> oh, great. Because <laughs> there was, I don't think there was quite a dozen men there. I was the only woman in the room, but they were all these guys, you know, sitting there with their arms across (laughs) their chest because they were required to be there. They (laughs) had no idea what was coming, but they certainly, you know, and then he was going to leave. And I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. And I'm like catching his shirt tail. No, part of this is that you need to be here. He goes, what, me? (laughs) I'm like, well, yeah. He goes, oh, no, I don't think I'm comfortable with that. I said, well, you need to get comfortable. And here's my promise to you. If you will promise to risk being vulnerable, risk losing face just a little bit, I will create an environment where you and your team can learn and grow and change your culture. I promise. And he goes, oh, cool. So then I said to these guys, what do y'all think? Do you want such and such a person to stay and learn with you today? And of course, well, that changed, that changed Mm -hmm. the mood of the room right away. (laughs) So, so at the end of the day, there were two big lessons for me. The first one was that it was, you know, as as a nurse in, in, in the caring profession, right? As healthcare leaders, we are, and you too, Tracy. <laughs> yeah, we are all in in the um, the caring professions, and I could clearly see at the end of the day that things were patched up between these people. They had created alliances and can I say, they said friendships that they never would have imagined because it was a safe place to be silly, have fun. I tell people it's like going to the gym. You know, you don't, if you're a football player and you're told to go to the gym to work out, you know, that's not the same as when you're studying the moves or whatever you do on the, on the, on the grid. But 
No, but you need that working out and it's a relaxing time and nobody dies in, you know, there's no blood in, we're just playing around and having fun. And, and here's another key. We're doing it in such a way that all titles are stripped of everybody. Mm -hmm. Everybody's doing the same thing. We're relating as people. And so that was the nexus of all this. And that was 1995. Yeah. And you can imagine being a nurse. I mean, although I was working as a NICU nurse at the time, I could see that there were a lot of problems in healthcare. Well, knew about a lot of the different problems and I pitched it and I pitched it and nobody in healthcare would give me a toe in the door. No. And I'll bet you know why. What did they say? There's no evidence mm -hmm, that this works yeah. in healthcare. Yeah. You could Google it and get 10,000 hits. Well, in 1995, mm. were we Googling? I don't know that we I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe just starting. <laughs> well, you could do your research and you would find it. Improv always came up with the arts, yeah, you know, right. dance, music, etc. But not in healthcare. And so I kept up with this troupe and uh, we played together for about three years. And then when that group sort of, you know, amorphously disbanded, people moved away and different things. I started uh, teaching improv to all ages and stages and different, you know, theater companies, this, that, and the other thing. And, uh, but it never left me the importance that I just kept thinking, I wish I could do this in healthcare. And so then, as it turned out, I had some little medical issues that prevented me from um, five foot surgeries, actually, <laughs> prevented me from continuing full time in clinical, started my career towards administration, and then it became clear to me that I, because I love teaching, um, gosh, I need to go to grad school. And so when it came to doing the doctoral piece, my, my master's is in um, public policy, but the doctoral piece, you know, the dean has to have a little chat with you. <laughs> and they say... You don't just get a doctorate. You know, you have to add to the research. Now, she said, if you don't have an idea right now, it's okay. I can plug you into one of these other research projects that we've got going. But if you have something that really is on your heart to do, I just have to warn you, it's going to be harder. And of course, immediately, this is what I said, happily. She was on board with this and helped helped me go to, well, I was in the San Francisco area, so she helped me go and, how can I say, uh, create an interprofessional educational research project that was mixed method, longitudinal, and I got different clinical persons a whole lot of them, and did an improv workshop. And the key here was that there were three departments 
that weren't getting along. Mm. Of course, you probably never heard of any departments that needed to work together that didn't get along. (laughs) (laughs) Only a few. (laughs) So that was the research. And then, you know, time wore on and I was teaching it on the side and being invited at associations and conferences and so forth and so on and writing papers and different things that you do. And I kept thinking, I got to there's so much more, you know, I, I got to write a book. So the first one is Improv to Improve Healthcare. But then during the pandemic, I thought, oh my gosh, we, well, I have basically four ideas for books and I'm working on number three right now. But this one is really a, to finally get to the answer to your question. <laughs> <laughs> this really is as a result of the pandemic because of everything that happened, we need, we need improv. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Well, it was a pleasure to read the book. Yes, it was. It really was. And um, you you outlined the 12 improv principles in the book and described them kind of as a new way of thinking, right? As a way to help to create the improv mindset. So I just kind of want to walk through them. And then as we go further and deeper in, then we'll kind of have you do a deep dive and bring out the ones that, you know, you think are applicable as we continue our conversation. So here's the 12 principles. Begins with accept all offers, risk being imperfect, uh, avoid yes, no questions, be helpful, silence the inner editor, (laughs) be adventurous, be thankful you have what you need. Actions speak louder than words. Look and listen to understand, not to respond. Focus on your partner. Follow the story spine and be changed. And last but not least, treat others like you want to be treated. I thought those were awesome. I know. I do too. Now, we work with a lot of healthcare leaders to live their best lives, professionally and personally. We noted you make a point of stating that understanding and applying the improv principles, right, can help leaders improve both professionally and personally. So great alignment there. Mm -hmm. Now, can you give us one or two examples about how these improv principles can create positive results? The yeah sure the, the first one accept all offers I guess it it requires a definition of what is an offer mm. and in improv as you might remember Michelle anything that is said we say words are golden and that if you focus on your partner and really listen they say something and just for the benefit the grease of the wheel so to speak to get the scene going. We want to say yes, and, and the yes, and is the bedrock of all improv. This is, you know, my 12 principles are an extension of, I think um, there's another book called Improv Wisdom that, that creates, I believe, five uh, principles, but this is what, this is just because I, I worked in improv for such a long time. These are the things that would always come back to me about what I need to remember as principles. So saying yes and as opposed to what we always say in healthcare, yes, but. but. Yeah. But it's important for us to understand 
the yes, but. Uh, yes, but that's not the right medication. Yes, but that's not the right patient. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those are important those yes, buts. <laughs> <laughs> those are important things. However, when we get into that critical mindset, if we're talking about leadership and problem solving and innovative, innovating, we really need to change up how we're looking at a situation. And I, and I always tell the healthcare uh, folks, if you can, if you can remember that not everything is a critical situation where you have to call 911 or yeah. the, you know, the team, not everything is. In fact, I would argue 99% of everything in healthcare is more relational than emergent, unless you are in the ER. That, Maybe a different thing, but even so, right? Yeah. So avoiding the yes, no questions draws people out, yeah. uh, especially if you're a leader. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. I think that was so a those two. critical one, right? You want, the, you want to continue to relate and keep the conversation going. Yes and no just kind of stops, stops it, it right? right? It stops the flow, mm-hmm. stops the connection. So, yeah. Right. So what's the best way then for leaders to practice applying these principles? Like what are some of the ways that they can do that? Best ways? Well, focusing on your partner and partner in improv is somebody that you happen to be in facing, whether it's another person or two people on stage or three, whatever it is, the, the exercise that you're practicing. It's being really mindful about everything that's going on in front of you. Like the the great example in healthcare that I, when I was a clinical instructor, I used to take students. Well, even when I was in the classroom, going, you're thinking about this communication, the emotional maturity that you need when you're going into a room. You know, just walking into the door. See, as an actor, I look at the door jam as a proscenium arch. You're going on to the stage and you have an idea of what's going to happen in there, meaning you've had a report, (laughs) you know, your S bar, you know, a little bit about why the patient is there. And hopefully the patient knows. It's always a question. Uh, (laughs) But you don't know what else is going on in that room? You don't know who else is in there. You don't know what their relationships are and how that's going to impact the health or all kinds of other things Mm -hmm. of this patient. So looking at everything, listening, Mm -hmm. not Mm -hmm. just for your agenda, which is always hard when you're in a time crunch, but looking to understand, really focusing on that other person, you know, there's a lot in faces that we can read. Mm-hmm. That's really helpful, I think. Mm-hmm. Great. I, you know, one of the other things I was thinking about too, um, is the silencing the inner editor. <laughs> Share a little bit about that and how how that applies. You know. I have uh, two grandsons and the little one 
sometimes uh, is making choices that are, uh, let's just say, not in the best interest of himself or society. (laughs) (laughs) Bending the truth sometimes, you know, whatever, making himself look good. And and so we were watching uh, Pinocchio. And you remember a little Jiminy Cricket is the conscience and he's sitting on the shoulder. And then we started talking about the inner voices. And he goes, you mean I'm going to actually hear a voice? No, no, it's more like a thought. You know, you have a thought. But there's a little Jiminy Cricket who's telling you, telling you when you're doing a good job and all of that. But then there's that other little funny that funny little one, maybe he's got, you know, horns or something like that, but that's the inner editor. And he's tell he, she could be, I don't know, is telling you to do something that, or to think in a way that is not going to serve other people the best way. And sometimes when we dissect about self-confidence and how hurt people hurt people, mm-hmm. we, we know that we're listening to this inner editor who's trying to take every little portion of what we hear and spin it in a, such a way, especially if you have low self-confidence, that will not be good for you or the patient. Yeah. So, so yeah. I tell mine to just go lie down. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the thing, right? You got to, you, like I have a, I think about it, those kind of thoughts as like a windshield wiper, right? Just like, pfft, no, remove that. Yeah. Right? Just get it out of my face, right? <laughs> <laughs> Toss the garbage. Yeah. That's right. Now, here's a question for you. What recommendations would you have for partners like us, right? Or dyads? that work together? How can they apply this to be, you know, how can this be really helpful to them as they work together? Well, again, focusing on that other person, assuming the best of that other person and treating them like you want to be treated. You know, isn't it amazing if you think of the best manager, boss, supervisor, whoever you want a leader that you've ever known Very often, they're the sort of mentor coach type of a person. And the opposite is also true. If you think of the worst ones, they're treating people like they wouldn't want to be treated. But for whatever, there's so many reasons that people do it, Mm -hmm. whether they hide behind their door and never open that they're never, you know, their heads down when they're in the hallway, they never, you know, just... Write me an email is, you know, what you're trying to tell them. (laughs) Something's going on. We need this or we need. No, they don't want to talk to you. And there are a lot of reasons why, why people who have to work with other people don't really want to work with those other people. And, and my contention is they're not taking the time to create a relationship mm-hmm. that's a, a good working relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We've done that partnership exercise before with groups where think of the characteristics of your mm-hmm. ideal partner, get someone in mind and now think of the worst one and how they are just the opposite and then do some reflection of, you know, what's, what's similar about them and what's really different about them as well. With so how you show up, how you show yeah. up. Exactly. Right. Because that's a lot of this is how you're showing up. Not yeah. how they're showing up, right? You're just building off of that. Yeah. 
So true. Yeah, it's awesome. All right. Well, you know, we did see, see, as Tracy mentioned, a lot of synergies in the work that we do together with leaders and organizations. And as you know, Candy, we introduce um, leaders to polarity intelligence, which is a combination of having a polarity mindset, as well as engaging healthy relationships and meaningful dialogue. And we have a book also that's coming out in January of 2024. And the promise of the book is really the trifecta of these concepts. and. We could see it. You haven't read our book yet, so you may not be able to see it yet. But you, you will <laughs> you when will. the book comes out. But we just wanted to highlight some of those synergies and just have a little improv conversation about that. Uh, one is to have a polarity mindset is you really recognize that some things are interdependent pairs. And you mentioned right away in your book, you refer to the left brain and right brain. Um, and that in itself is a polarity. You, you need both to function and to experience a greater purpose and that um that in and that in you actually use the, de- the example in the book about how improv helps to flex more of the creative muscle or your right brain but we wanted you to say a little bit about the the right brain left brain uh analogy that you used in your book well weaving it into the polarity I think that when we look at a couple of things, the cognitive behavioral studies about how human beings learn, and, you know, it started long ago with, um, well, lots of people, but Piaget and then Bloom talked about the way the children from one to five, those precursors to what we might call didactic learning. I mean, they're really learning about social norms. They're learning. What was that old book? Everything I learned about life. I learned in the kindergarten. Yeah. (laughs) Right. They're learning how to get along and they're learning. They get to play. They get to play. And so when, when I've looked at this from the scientific method, I thought, okay, especially in healthcare, we have a way that we approach with the scientific method. We approach every problem. We subjectively and objectively gather data about whatever it is, and then we assess it, we make a plan, and then we evaluate it. And if you look at Bloom's taxonomy of importance and how humans develop, that gets us almost right to the top, but it's just shy of creativity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I always say it's like we kind of get stuck. <clears throat> and and I think the reason we get stuck is that we don't leave time to play. And what does that mean? Well, obviously in healthcare, we're, we're not necessarily everybody going to wear a red nose, you know, like Patch Adams right. or anything like that. It's not always appropriate for sure. But in terms of leadership and working with other people, I think a key question is, what if? That is a polarity question. Yeah. Now, we need either or. I mean, think of it. If you step out onto the highway and a bus is coming, it's either going to be you or the bus. It will be the bus. That's there's no question about that. You 
need to know, like we just said with, with the patient, you know, is this this patient or that patient? These are clear. But in terms of how we should approach people, what's the best way to interact with people, what are some solutions that we haven't thought of yet? Mm, yeah. The what if is a really good polarity question to start those creative juices flowing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we use, we use, yes, you know, both and a lot in the polarity language, right? It's both and. So it's both left brain and right brain that we need to have our full, you know, ability to function as humans. And even in the example you gave too, is you need standardized care and individualized care. You need both. You could do standardized based on the evidence, and it has to be individualized for that patient, mm -hmm. which is part of yeah. evidence-based practice as well. So there's a lot of polarities in healthcare. Mm -hmm. Well, lots of them. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's just a lot of polarities just in relationships and communicating too, right? Like, right. Um, you know, conditional respect and unconditional respect. It's all about how we're showing up with each other. Yes. Right? And yeah. candor and diplomacy. So how we're communicating with each other. So yeah, there's a just a lot of ands, right? It's not that either or. It's not a problem. Yeah. Then we saw a lot of synergies too around relationships. Now, one of the components of polarity intelligence is having healthy relationships because to to really leverage and manage polarities, you have to be in relation with someone, in good relation with someone. And so right. we saw that connection, too, with the principles of focus on your partner, treat others like you want to be treated. And then um, we talk in our book about transactional relationships and transformational relationships. And actually, you need, you need both. Some relationships are transactional. You just, you know, they're there for a purpose. But there are transformational relationships. So it really jumped out for us when you talked about creating transformational relationships by utilizing improv principles. So we just want to talk a little bit about that with our listeners as well. Do you want me to say something or is this where we're answering questions from the audience? <laughs> <laughs> now, just, when you talk about transformational relationships related to improv, like what do you mean by that and why is that oh, important? Okay. Well, especially in this book, and if you're talking about the traditional ways of leadership, and now with you all, we're talking about the military model on which healthcare was based. Those are uh, traditionally more open loop where we have one person giving an order and another person responding, and there's not a suggestion of changing, which is appropriate in many do or die, live or die mm -hmm. situations, right? Those, those are transformation or a transactional. Mm -hmm. And every time you go and buy something, that's generally, it's so transactional, they don't even need people anymore. It's <laughs> that's so true. Things. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's so true. Oh my gosh. But that when you practice the improv principles, it's, you know, honestly, it's kind of a spiritual exercise mm -hmm. to assist in this model. Some people call it servant leadership, where you, you make a choice to honor that person 
in in uh, when I was traveling uh, years ago in Japan, I thought this is so neat. They they are um, honoring, you know, honoring each other in the culture so much so that they um, you know take time to give a nod of the head. Mm-hmm. And it reminded me when I was there that when I was 13, I grew up in Portland, Oregon in the day. My mother took me one day because I was going to get confirmed and I got to wear little heels. And I went for my first, maybe you remember your first (laughs) pair of heels. (laughs) And we're walking down the street and because I think we took the bus there, she didn't drive. and. There was, uh, you know, we're walking down the street, it's downtown, and uh, at the time, it was not a huge city, but big enough, you know, people were, you know, dressed nicely, there was business people around, and it was not summer, men were wearing hats, hats, and as we passed one or two, they would tip their hat to to my mother and me. And I had never noticed that before. And I said, why did they do that? And she said, well, that's what gentlemen do to, when they see ladies, because I was now a lady. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, you know, isn't that interesting that we sort of lost that, you know, nodding to people as we walk along, but that other cultures go out of their way to do this. They even have words for it. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, I think in Japanese, it's Kaizen. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong. But at any way if we have this mindset it it makes us think more you know it's not just about me it's really about what i'm doing here and it's really about them even though i do have to pee or go have my lunch break yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well what you're speaking about is one of the first principles in healthy relationships is being intentional so you're really being intentional is what you're that what you're describing is, you know, so being very intentional. Mm-hmm. The other thing we wanted to talk about was meaningful dialogue. Now, you know, you stress the importance of listening and you write about suspending beliefs uh, and listening to understand, not to respond. And one of the principles of meaningful dialogue is to actively listen and being aware. And we act and we it's about suspending judgment. So you really can listen to what people are saying. What are what are our leaders' biggest struggles when it comes to listening to others that you have seen or noticed? And that has happened to me, I can oh. say, when I was in leadership position. I, I would say impatience and being in a hurry. Mm. You have so many other things. You walk down the hall and people do not know how many 12 things now you know if you're a if you're a parent you understand this and you expect it in the home it's sort of chaos you know what what's the old song i'm a woman you know i can feed the baby scramble <laughs> oh, an yeah. egg and do oh, all yeah. this hell and ready and i don't know about you but when i was a clinical nurse i used to say so often if i could just get a tenth of the things done at home that i get in every hour accomplished here because that's why I'm exhausted at the end of eight hours is I'm just, oh, you know, I have just been giving, giving, giving. And 
boom, 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 you know, going, going, going. And we sometimes think from a clinical aspect, when we see our leaders, because we're not a part of the meetings or the stress or the other things that are coming into their world, they're trying to sort of look like a leader, I guess. And they they purposely have their head down because they're thinking about the next thing and they forget how important it is that as a leader, you have to not be impatient. You have to take a breath and remember that mistakes get made when we're in a hurry. And one of the mistakes that we can make is not taking the time to have any sort of even a perfunctory relationship with people that you pass in the hall, just like those gentlemen on the street would tip their hat. You know, there's nothing wrong with, you know, tipping your hat or tipping your head, you know, acknowledging in even a small way, saying hello to people in the morning. How many people don't even do that when they come through a hallway or at work? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that and and that does get in the way of listening. And I remember one of the, when we first started teaching dialogue to clinicians, one of the nurses says, oh my gosh, they know. And I said, what do you mean they know? And she said, the patients, they know that I'm not really listening when I'm multitasking. So to listen, you really have to be intentional too, right? You have to really be intentional. <laughs> yep. You have to be intentional. <laughs> It's true. It's true. Well, you know, it, uh, we're pulled in a million different directions right now. Yes. Right. Leaders mm. are, individuals are, we're not present wherever we're at. So again, it's that being present, taking a breath, taking a moment, being aware of what's mm -hmm. around you, like to your point, right? Like you need to take it in. Like you're yeah. walking onto a stage, right? Like just, it's, it's having that, you know, to Michelle's point, intention. And then just, you know, spreading your awareness more and more and more, you know? So mm -hmm, I think it mm -hmm. just, it's so helpful. It's true. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, there's a line in Shakespeare. I think it's Henry V, but I might be wrong. Um, the heavy weight of the crown. And that is not just for kings. It is for anybody who gets crowned, if you will, with a title. Because people then are looking towards you for a certain sort of decorum and and what makes a, a world leader loved by the people. Not that that leader knows every single person in the country, mm -hmm. but that they seem to um, be relational. Mm -hmm. They tried to do their best to not be so consumed with the troubles of the day, but that when they are in the public eye, they're they're working very hard to give the best of themselves their attention, mm -hmm. and it's something we sometimes forget. Yeah, 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 so agree with that. Well, you address in the book that ultimately the principles and exercises come down to creating a culture. Culture mm. is so important, <laughs> and especially where employees can learn and grow. Right, and um, so what gives you hope? that organizations are ready for culture shifts right now today? What, what are the drivers from your perspective around creating positive work cultures? 
Well, it may seem a little odd to say, I think that the pandemic gave us a great gift. And that is, we can no longer deny what we have been saying for over 20 years. Two things. Number one, healthcare is in trouble because we don't have enough nurses. We're putting up barriers all the time on developing nurses. We have more applicants than we have faculty because we've made a, a doctorate a requirement, but it's so expensive that um, I, for one, am still paying off some of my college loans at my age, which is frightful. But there there are barriers to to f- having more nurses. And it's not just in the U.S., it's everywhere. But in terms of what the pandemic did, of course, that highlighted that need. But also, here's another thing. You and I, we three, have known for a long, long time about the, uh, well, it was then called the Institute of Medicine, now the National Academies of Medicine, the NAM, the studies about how the um, untoward death rate has been going up and up. Mm. And I believe it was the Jones study in 2014 gave us new data that was even more frightful. That and, and I so I think that the point is that the pandemic showed us that we can no longer turn a blind eye mm-hmm. towards the problems in healthcare. Mm-hmm. And what's more, we have known for 20 plus years in all the root cause analyses, miscommunication among fellow workers is like if it's not the top one, it's one, mm-hmm. two, or three. Yep. Mm-hmm. And we've trotted out various programs to try and mitigate this risk. But so far, nothing has worked. And I've been, not not only myself, but a few others in healthcare, have been ringing the bell, you know, like, hey, hey, here's a good idea over here. We've been ringing that bell. We've this. been ringing that bell. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. beating the drum ringing the bell That's right. this really works and so hopefully now that we have even more of a great resignation going on mm-hmm. it doesn't matter what industry you're in yeah. if you're not going to innovate and deal with problems in a what if sort of mindset being open being willing to risk being vulnerable and at least, you know, it's a fine line. But the way we used to teach leaders, I remember when I got into a leadership and administrative position, certain people told me I could no longer be friends <laughs> with anybody that I was a friend with for fear of the litigation. And that is a tight rope to walk. Mm-hmm. It's not easy. and. And then I understood, well, I think I understood before why some people were not being, I mean, you know, it, it was very difficult. Mm-hmm. They wanted you to sh- be shut off and now you're like on the other side. Yeah. Sadly. Yeah. yeah. We just did a podcast episode on how important it is to have friends at work. <laughs> yeah, we did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
So, well, we agree. And we also say that there was many, many silver linings in the pandemic. And we also say pretty much every day, every week, that if we don't really take advantage of that, look at things in a new way, then it will be really sad. Because yeah. this is an opportunity and people are really ready for it and they're ready for hope and they're ready for new strategies and new ways of doing things. So that is, the, that's really good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Candy, we're ready for the missing questions. Okay. okay. All right. Let's see how an improv person does these. <laughs> so we ask missing qu Well, wait a minute. Can I make something up? Oh, you can make anything you can up that you want. anything you want. So it doesn't, it doesn't have to be true? No. Mm -mm. <laughs> oh, okay. Tell them what you want them to hear. <laughs> oh, okay. I have to be truthful. Okay. So I, I'm going to ask you two questions, and then Tracy's going to wrap us up. So you recently moved from the West Coast, California, to the East Coast, Maryland. What has been your biggest surprise moving from one coast to the other? Your biggest surprise? I think four seasons. The um, you were surprised you know, by that. <laughs> well, I I knew about four seasons, but I didn't know that a curtain goes up on Memorial <laughs> on Memorial Day, and then it goes boom on Labor Day. I. I thought those were just holidays that had nothing to do with weather. <laughs> I love it. I that love is it. so great. That oh. is so great. I love seeing this through somebody's eyes that's new to it, right? Yes. Like, we've been living with this forever. And so it's so refreshing <laughs> for somebody to come in and go, wow. <laughs> so true. It's oh, so true. That is so oh, great. That is so great. great. Okay, here's our second question. As an actor, what is the most memorable character you have played and why? Oh, okay. That's easy for me. The most memorable character was the most unusual character that I played in a film called The Calling. And I think it was 2003. I played an Italian paraplegic woman whose son was a pimp. <laughs> <laughs> You got our podcast producer cracking up. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we could top that. <laughs> okay, yeah, I don't, I don't think so either. <laughs> oh, that's great. Oh, man. That's great. Okay, I've got the wrap-up question. So as we've been talking about throughout our conversation, right, we really um, help individuals understand and adapt to polarity intelligence and how to think both and, much like the, and, you know, yes, and. Um, and in one of the principles about polarities is that, you know, both are necessary. They're interdependent poles, right? They need each other over time to get to that greater purpose. And one of the things we know is we typically have a preference pole. So. Even though we may value both and see the benefit of both poles, we tend to prefer, lean a little bit more towards one pole than the other, just naturally because of who we are. Like, just like some people are a little more creative, right, and, and use that side of their brain than they do the other, right? Just natural tendency. So we're going to ask you about a polarity. I'm going to tell you what the polarity is, and then I want you to share which is, do you think is your preference? Okay. Okay. So the polarity is hierarchy and partnership. So what would be your preference? 
Mm, depends upon what plane or what area of life you're talking about. But generally speaking, I'm all about partnership. Yeah. However, <laughs> if we're talking about something like, um, well, one of my other outlets is uh, painting. And I remember when I first started learning how to paint, how to use the brush, how to how to how to manipulate paint. I had one instructor who would grab a brush and paint on my canvas, and I hated that. Mm. I wanted it to be my work. Yeah. So that's the hierarchy yeah. Yeah. of that. And the same, I would say the same goes for writing. That's why I, I'm sort of morally opposed to this chat GPT. I'm worried about students are going to write essays, but not really write anything. You know? That's the kind of partnership. I, I think that should be hierarchical. Their brain to the paper. Yeah, yeah. yeah, for me, painting hierarchy is paint by numbers. Yes, okay? I know. That's what I was thinking, too. I thought that's where she There's was no going. improv there. Okay, there's no partnership. It's, tell me what, what to, to put in what pole right here. Like, okay, that's one. I can do that. It's about as good as it gets. Oh, oh gosh. Well, thank you so much. This has been a great interview. And before we close, Candace, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners? Well, if they would like more information, of course, I have a couple of websites because uh, <laughs> the polarity of what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, as as a clinician and as a person who's, you know, been in leadership, uh, again, healthcare is my, my main industry, but uh, this book, has to do with all sorts of industries. Um, I do have an educational website. That's my name, candycampbell.com, with videos and testimonials uh, about using improv as a learning modality if anybody wants to look there. But also, one of my little taglines is as, as an actor, you know, that's my initial degree. And um, I have been touring with my third solo show called An Evening with Florence Nightingale, The Reluctant Celebrity. Mm -hmm. And that has a website with videos and testimonials. And that website is Florence Nightingale Live, L-I-V-E dot com. So, and also, of course, my books are available on my candycampbell.com website. And if anybody wants to connect with me, my preferred social media is LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. And uh, let me think how many, I know on Facebook, there's like 117 Candy Campbell. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> on LinkedIn, in, if you know what I look like, I'm there, and it's Dr. Candy Campbell. So, all right, I'm happy to connect. Awesome. We will put those in our show notes as well. And uh, this has been a delightful conversation, a lot of fun, and important concepts right now that are very much needed in healthcare, in our personal life, and our professional life. And Tracy and I are going to leave right now and go have a fun dinner. <laughs> yeah. Well. 
And I, I just think that's just such an important thing right now, right? Yes, we it need, is. We need laughter. We need joy. We need to play. So thank you so much for that reminder, thank for you. bringing that into leadership and into healthcare. It is a gift. Thank you for what you're doing. And thanks for oh, being here. Oh, gift. I, can I, I forgot something. Sure. If if uh, people want to go to the candycampbell.com website, I do have a gift there for anybody who wants it. You can sign up. Uh, I don't spam and I don't I don't blog nearly as much as I should. <laughs> like once a month you'll hear from me. Um I I'd be happy to give you the first the front matter and the first chapter of either one of these improv books. And um I would I would just like to say that I've been working on, along with this third book, uh, this fall I'm going to be launching a hybrid course called, at least I, this is the working title, Establishing Your Executive Presence. Mm. So, and it's using the improv principles and that's that's what's going on. Awesome. Okay. Well, that sounds great. <laughs> yes. Well, I'll have to have you back on. Yeah. There we go. I love it. Uh, anything else? <laughs> oh, thank you again. This has been a wonderful conversation, and I, I, it, it is really, really important at these times. Thank so, you. and I know our, thank I know you. our paths will continue to cross as they have. Yes, as indeed. they have, indeed. And for our listeners, thank you for joining us for another episode of Healthcare's Missing Logic podcast. And we just take 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 Handy's advice. Go out there and do some yes and and some good listening. And we'll see you on the next episode. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Healthcare's Missing Logic podcast, now a top-rated podcast for healthcare leaders. Please share this podcast with other healthcare leaders and anyone else you think would benefit. We are certain that if you found value in it, they will too. If you haven't already done so, please hit that subscribe button so you don't miss any episodes. And also, it would mean the world to us if you took a quick moment to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast player. It helps to get the word out about our podcast and incredible guests. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel if you want to watch our podcasts. You can also follow us on our Missing Logic social media channels, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Until next time.